fresh in our minds. Amen? How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? Amen? Praise God. He's been good to us. We were, we were singing earlier about how good, how good God has been to us. Keeps on getting better, keeps on getting better. And I, I was thinking during that, it's, it's not about the clothes on my back, the, the vehicles that I get to drive, the house that I get to live in, the bed that I get to sleep in, all the, the TV that's in my house or the couch. It's, it's none of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that all comes from God. God's blessed. But you know what the real blessing is, is really, honestly, God himself. We have a walk with him. Amen? Despite our rebellion, we have been restored to God. We have a relationship with him. We get, we get to wake up in the morning and talk to God through Jesus. Amen? We have a God who loves us. He, he's bestowed his grace upon us. And, and from that peace and from that joy, amen? And from that strength and a confidence and an ability to live as Christ lived. Amen? And we're not worthy of any of it. But he loved us anyway, and he gave it to us. Amen? Praise God. It is so good to see you. It's good to be home. Missed you guys. I really did miss you guys last week. Rachel and I were in um, Dallas, Texas, uh, actually Cedar Hill, last Sunday. Edwina knows what I'm talking about when I say the great state of Texas. She, she came and said, I heard you got to go home. And she, was, she was grinning from ear to ear. I think she was excited for me and pining for Texas. I drove right through uh, uh, Brother Forrest's uh, hometown there, from Dallas to Texarkana, right in there, at Mount Pleasant and all that, that area, we got to see that, so it's, it's, it's a good area. And I, man, we, we went through the Texas Hill Country on the way, we, we were at a, a missions conference and the last night of it, uh, Destiny Church, that's Pastor Matt Bell. How many of you remember Pastor Matt Bell? The message that he preached here during our conference about the supremacy of Jesus. So we were at his church for a missions conference, and the last night of it, we, we moved out to their new campus. They, they um, had been gifted a building in Fredericksburg, Texas, and they've planted a new church, and Pastor Matt's brother Mike is now pastoring that campus. So we got to go out there for that, but I got to drive through the hill country and, and see... Uh, man, I, we, we forgot, Rachel and I were talking about, like, we lived here for so long, we, didn't, we forgot how beautiful this is. But just these rocks and you, you wouldn't think mesquite trees or cedar trees could be so beautiful, but they are. The live oaks, these little scraggly, brushy kind of trees popping out of the rocks and the hills of the Texas Hill Country. Really beautiful. It was good to be home. It was good to eat some real Mexican food. <laughs> or Tex-Mex, I guess. But to me, and, and, and some people were like, man, this is awful. I was like, man, this is the best. This is what I grew up on. How many of you know what you grew up on? It's like, it's like the best. So Bill Miller's barbecue and uh, Mama Margie's Mexican food. It's the cheap stuff, but it's, man, it was so good. And cheese enchiladas. And <laughs> Who's ready for lunch? <laughs> and it was a sad sight. I was in Dallas the day that Dallas lost. Um, we're, we'll have a, a special time of ministry for all of you Cowboys fans at the end of the service today. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right, so we're going to get into this. So we're back into the Philippines. And by the way, Stephen Beatty, thank you. I, I listened to, amen. I listened to his message. We were driving uh, from San Antonio, or from Dallas to San Antonio uh, Sunday afternoon. 
and uh, listened to that message, and it was powerful, 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 powerful. Amen. Let this mind be in you. So we're in Philippians. Stephen, thank you. Did a great, great job. We're in Philippians, and we're going to continue on this track. I'm, I'm still trying to get out of verse 2. We've been here for three weeks in, in uh, Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2. Uh, we're going to talk about grace and peace today. And uh, I'll just say that, that time away was much needed. I'm refreshed. I, we were filled up. Uh, got, I got to have breakfast with David Cook, and he preached about three messages to me while we were at breakfast. So I am overflowing. It's good to sit down, right, with, with your pastors and, and receive from them. And so it was, it was much needed. We were full. Um, I told our team this morning, I felt like a, like, like a ship. I think they, they bring those into like a lock, those big ships. They bring them into a lock and then they drain all the water out. I think that's how they do this. And then those barnacles that are attached to that ship, they take a blaster and just blow those things off of the side of the ship. And, and the reason they do that is because those barnacles, they will impede the progress of that ship, right? The drag, it slows down that vessel as it flows through the water. And so they bring it in from time to time and they clean those ships, right? So they can move with speed. And that's what happened to me, I think, this week. Pastor Matt did such a good job of setting up the speakers, and it was just bringing us back to the simple gospel. The, 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 and I heard this phrase, the way, there's a way of God, and it is right. I've heard my wife say that over the years, there's a way of God, and it is right. My father-in-law says it all the time, there's a way of God, and it is right. You know, we don't have to come up with schemes. We don't have to do tricks. We don't have to get poodles and hula hoops up here to entertain people, and to, right? We don't have to do some weird tricks to trick people into following Jesus if we'll just pray and fast and praise and worship and stay in the word and evangelize and dis disciple, it works, right? How many of you know God's stuff works? Amen. And we can stick with it. So I'm just brought back to that, the simple stuff. The simple stuff works. We're gonna stay with the simple stuff. We're not gonna do tricks. We're, we're not going to do rocket shows or flips or anything. We're just going to preach the gospel. We're going to love you. We're going to have fellowship together, and we're going to build God's kingdom. Amen. So that's where I'm at today. I'm refreshed. I'm strengthened. I was edified this week, and uh, now I'm ready to preach. So Philippians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 and 2, Paul and Timothy, and we looked at this the first week of this series, Bond Servants of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> that's the... Identification that Paul chooses to identify himself with. Bondservants of Jesus Christ. And he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. We talked about that we are saints, right? We talked about leadership in church, bishops and deacons. We talked about that about two weeks ago. And he goes on, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these Words that are here in this greeting, grace and peace, they're not just some arbitrary words. They're purposeful. This book, Philippians, is actually wrapped in grace and peace. It starts in the introduction, grace and peace, and we'll see at the end of this message that it concludes with grace and peace. Chapter 4 has grace and peace in it. There, there's a reason. We, we, we talked about in the introduction of this that this book was written to resolve conflict. There was conflict in the church, right? How do we overcome that? Through Jesus, who is a servant. That's why he presents himself as a servant. That's why he presents Timothy to them as a servant, right? The theme, one of the great themes of this book is servanthood, right? That we would uh, be bond servants together, that we would be uh, co-workers 
fellow laborers in, in the kingdom of God. Right? So this is a common theme in here. There, there's conflict, and the way we overcome that is through Jesus, right? And I, I believe that if we're going to overcome that, we've got to do it through the grace of God. We've got to receive the grace of God. I like this passage in Acts chapter 4, and we, we, we've looked quite a bit at Acts here lately. But Acts chapter 4, it says the, uh, in verse 32, it says, The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. They were of one heart and one soul. Much to the, con- uh, uh, to the contradiction of what the church of Philippi was. When Paul writes this letter to Philippi, they were divided. But the writer here talks about a church, the early church, that was of one heart and one soul. And neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own but that he had all things, they, they had all things in common. So they weren't worried about their possessions. Remember we talked in the first message about the reason that we try to advance our agenda is because we have needs. We talked about how Yodia and Syntyche, they were both advancing some, we don't know what they were, but they were both advancing some kind of an agenda, trying to get their needs, needs met, and it was causing conflict in the church. They were sharing everything here in Acts 4, and all the needs were taken care of. Remember we talked about that? If we will serve each other, our needs get taken care of, right? If I will stop worrying about my needs and, and serve my wife, my needs are going to get taken care of, right? In a marriage relationship where we're serving each other, our needs will get taken care of. We'll have everything that we need, right? So this, this, is, this is common, uh, common teaching all throughout the scripture. They, they were of, of one heart. Uh, they shared all their possessions. They had all things in common. And look at what happened. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And with great, I'm sorry, and great grace was upon them all. They're in unity. There's, a, there, there's no division. They're sharing everything. They have all things in common. They're of the same mind and the same heart. And they're ministering, they're, they're declaring the gospel of Jesus with great power. Great power. And great grace is upon them all. Great grace is upon them all. Amen? What is grace? What is grace? I want to take a look at a couple of passages. I'm not going to preach for a long time. We're actually going to get up here in a, in a couple of minutes, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together, and we're going to blow out the pipes, and we're going to get ready to receive the grace of God in our life. Amen? How many of you are ready for a new measure of grace? Amen. We need it. We all need it. Amen. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul says of himself, he says, at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of my revelation. So he's, Paul, how many of you understand? Paul received great revelations from, from, from heaven, yes. right? I mean, he literally has this vision of being taken up to the third heaven. All kinds of revelation, all kinds of things that the Lord revealed to him. And he says, least I should be uh, exalted above measure by abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. That's about all we know about it. Some kind of a messenger from Satan, least I should be exalted above measure. So this messenger from Satan was sent by God to keep him humble. Right? Right? This messenger sent to him, keeps him humble, 
least I would be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's what God said to him. No, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take measure or pleasure in, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here, I want to give you a definition. I think I've shared this with you here recently, but a definition for grace. Grace is God's ability doing for you that which you cannot do yourself. It's a measure of God's power coming to work in us and to work through us. That's the grace of God. Paul, God, God is saying to Paul here, you know what, you, you can't bear up under this pressure. You can't deal with this thorn in your own ability, but my grace is sufficient for you. If you'll lean into me, my grace is sufficient for you. You can't do it in your ability, but I'll give you my ability. I'll give you my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen? Amen. Sufficient. That's an interesting word. The word sufficient. We're going to look at it in just a second. It means more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough. How many of you know that God's more than enough? Amen. Whatever situation you're facing, whatever circumstance is going on in your life, God is more than enough. We're going to look at that more deeply here in just a minute. But God, grace is God's ability coming to us, working through us. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's blessed us with all of the heavenly blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good, will, the, the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which, by his grace, he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his Grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I remember a gentleman, uh, Brother Ray Highfield, came and ministered to our church, and I remember at dinner he, had a, he was having a conversation with us, and he said to my wife, he says, you know, God's got grace. He said, sometimes you need a thimble full. Sometimes you need a cup full. Sometimes you need a swimming pool full. And sometimes you need an ocean of grace. 
But God is not short in supply of grace. How many of you know that God's grace is sufficient? It is more than enough. I was listening to the radio on the way, the, the drive into the church this morning. I was listening to one of the contemporary Christian uh, music stations, and, and that, that DJ on that station between the songs came on, and he was talking about Amazon. Amazon has had a brilliant idea. Since they have sucked the life out of the shopping mall, and all of the stores in the shopping malls are closing down, you know what Amazon's going to do? They're going to start opening stores in the shopping mall. Isn't that brilliant? And here's what, the, here's what the DJ said. You can walk right into the store and try the things that you would buy online on in the store. It's just going to be so amazing. How many of you are realizing that Amazon is basically taking the world over? They're building these massive, I think we have probably three or four people here in the church today at least, that are working for Amazon. They have these massive warehouses popping up everywhere. How many of you have ever placed an order through Amazon that says we're out of order, out of stock? It happens. See, even Amazon runs out. God's supply never runs empty. Heaven is never without grace to deposit in our life when we have a time of need. Amen. God has an abundant supply of grace, and it will never run out. We need to understand that. John chapter 1, verse 16 says, Of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. I heard Pastor Ben Bufkin this week at this conference, he said that 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 could be translated grace in place of grace. Grace in place of grace. Grace in place of grace. It never runs out. Amen? It's like the stalker. Whenever the shelf is empty, the, the stalker immediately comes in and puts more grace on the shelf. Grace in place of grace. Where does this grace come from? Paul tells us in, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, from God. Grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This grace comes from God. John tells us the exact same thing, right? And of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Where does the grace come from? From the fullness of God from the overstocked shelves of heaven. Heaven is the original overstock.com. <laughs> Amen? Amen? We receive this grace from his fullness. There's always a supply there. He will never run out. Amen. He will never run out. He'll never run out of grace for us. And let me, I, I, there was a, and these aren't in my notes, but just a couple of scriptures as we were standing there during worship, these were popping into my mind. But uh, let, let's look at uh, Titus chapter 2. Verse 11. Here is a beautiful picture of grace. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I'll never forget the day. 
<clears throat> on the campus of International Bible College, when I read that verse, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And when I read that, the image of the cross, Jesus on the cross came into my mind. And there's this idea that's prevalent in our American church culture that because of God's grace, we can just live however we want to live and do anything that we want to do. And we can just keep on sinning because we said, this, we said the sinner's prayer down in the altar and now we're under grace. That's a misconception of what grace is. Grace is not the ability to keep sinning. Grace is actually the ability to overcome sin. It's God's ability. We, 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 can't over, we will not defeat sin in our flesh. But if we'll lean into the supply of God's spirit and receive the grace of God, we can overcome. Right? Here's what it says. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, we have a responsibility to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That's different than just keep on sinning, isn't it? Right? Looking, and I'm not saying that we're, we'll never sin again because we're Christians. I'm not saying that. John said if you say that, you're a liar. Not trying to say that at all. I'm just saying that God's grace comes to us to help us to overcome sin. Amen? Looking for that blessed uh, hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise you. It's pretty powerful words about grace. Amen. Awesome. God's grace gives us an ability to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, live soberly and righteously, to be God's peculiar people, cleansed from the old works only by the grace of God. Amen? Let's look at one more passage. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 5, actually. Romans chapter 5. Verse, let's start in verse 19. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. There are actually people who have taught, it's all right if we keep on sinning because that's where God's grace abounds. I've heard people actually teach that. It's contrary to what the scripture is saying. In fact, if you read on, where, uh, in verse 20, but where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. It doesn't say it reigns through unrighteousness. It reigns through righteousness Amen. unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he answers the question, do we keep on sinning? He answers it right here, verse uh, one, and by the way, just so you know, when, when the Bible was originally written, it didn't have the chapter breaks. Th those were inserted by editors to make it more convenient so we could find scriptures and do sword drills and things like that. But verse 21 of chapter 5 and verse 1 of chapter 6 flow together in the original text. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not 
that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. And if you go on to read, we understand. God's grace doesn't come so that we can keep on sinning and be saved. No, God's grace comes to save us from our sin, that we can experience this newness of life that the writer here is talking about. That's what God's grace does for us. And there is an abundant supply. It's grace in place of grace from his fullness, as the writer in John chapter 1, verse 16 says. Let's look at it, same verse in the Amplified, and we're almost done talking about grace. We're going to move on to peace. John chapter 1, verse 16. For out of his fullness, abundance, this is the Amplified version, out of his fullness or abundance, we have all received. Everybody say received. Have you received the grace of God? Are you receiving the grace of God? Have you ever blocked the flow of God's grace in your life? You know you can do that? We're going to see that by the time we're done today. We have all received. We all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. This is the goodness of God towards us. Amen? His grace, his, his favor heaped upon us. Gift after gift. The, the, the word there is charis uh, in, in, in the, in the uh, Greek, the original text, charis, and it's where we, we get the same uh, derivative where we get the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts come down from heaven. They are God's supply to us, his empowerment to us, his gifting to us, so that we can live as Jesus lived, that we could live the life that God intended for us to live. Ephesians used that, that word predestined, right? Predestined to the adoption of sons. The other, another place it says that we were predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. This was God's intention for us, that we would be like Jesus. And we can't do that in and of ourselves. We have to receive the grace of God to live the life that God intended for us to live. Now, here's what happens. Whenever we live under the righteousness of God, when we receive God's grace, empowering us to live righteous life, you know what happens? Peace comes to our life. When we are recipients of the grace of God, we will experience the peace of God. Amen. There's no other way we can do it. We can try to conjure it up. We can light candles and fragrance and all that to try to experience peace. But, but the reality is there, there's no true peace apart from the living God. Amen. Where does peace come from? God. From God, the Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It can only come from God. This, this idea of peace in the scripture is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God. 
This peace has to do with the idea that we no longer fear the wrath of God. If you're outside of Christ, newsflash, wrath is coming. Judgment is coming for all who are outside of Christ. Judgment is coming to us who are in Christ, but it's going to be a different type of judgment. Right? There's the the, the great judgment coming, and then there's the, the white throne judgment. There are two different judgments, one for the righteous and one for the unrighteous. But because we are in Christ, we have peace with God. We have no fear of the wrath of God. We have no fear of that judgment. Amen? Because on that day of judgment, we will stand as Christ. Because he died as us. Amen? And so we are free. We have experienced this grace coming to our lives. And it's put us into, I love this definition, into a tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. That's really what peace is all about. Peace is not all your bills are paid. Peace is not I got a a clear bill of health from the doctor. Peace is not I haven't fought with my wife for six weeks. All of these things are temporary peace. Right? Bills are going to keep coming. Eventually, we're all going to die. Sooner or later, your wife and I will, your, your wife, your, you and your wife will fight again. Right? It's just going to happen. Th- those are temporary things. Th- this state of peace is eternal. Right? When we are truly in Christ, the, the Bible says no one can pluck you out of his hand. When you're truly in Jesus, right? We used to sing the song, and we're going to get to the scripture in just a second where Jesus, it's Jesus' word, but we used to sing the song, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me, this joy. I wish I could sing. That I have, the world didn't give. Darren, you want to come help me? (laughs) We sing, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Look at the words of Jesus. In, In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's the peace. It comes from Jesus. He left this peace for us to experience, for us to enjoy. Now I'm going to wrap to a conclusion here. I just want to say in, in conclusion that, that these words, again, are not arbitrary words that he just like, you know, hey, peace and love, I'm out. Sup, hope you're doing well. He, it wasn't some arbitrary greeting that he pulled out. This is a purposeful greeting. Grace and peace. The book starts with grace and peace. And we, we see that it, when, when it winds down, it winds down with grace and peace. Peace in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything be by, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There's no peace like the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding. And will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul is writing to a people in turmoil. 
Paul's writing to a people in conflict that are worrying about their own little kingdoms and bickering and fighting over their own agendas. And he says, hey, if, if we're going to resolve this, let, let, like, like Stephen preached last week, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became a servant. Right? Yodia, Syntyche, be of the same mind. How, how does this happen? We have to receive the grace of God to do what God wants us to do in his church. We have to receive the grace of God and we have to operate in the grace of God. Are our actions towards one another in the grace of God? Or is there conflict? Turmoil? That's not the result of God's grace. The wrath of man cannot work the righteousness of God. We have to receive God's grace to do what God wants us to do in his kingdom. These people are striving and they're worried. They're all worried about their own needs. That's why he says, don't be anxious about anything. Later on, he's going to say, my God will supply all of your needs. You don't have, you don't have to sweat it. Have peace within yourself. Don't worry about this thing. God's got it. Amen. Receive the grace of God through Jesus and the peace that comes with that. Receive it. And he wraps up verses 21 through 23. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of the household, who are of Caesar's household. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. At the end of the book, he says, be with you. At the beginning of the book, he says, grace to you. Now he says, grace be with you. Be, be, grace to you. He's, he's, like, he's starting this thing saying, I, I'm about to in, insert some grace into the graceless life of this church. You need a measure of grace, here it comes. He teaches through this thing, gives the ultimate example of Christ, and then he says, now the grace be with you. May it be ever-present. May it guide our life. May it guard our hearts and our minds. May it dominate us. May we receive this supply of God's grace and live our lives from this, right? How, does righteous, how do we live righteous lives? Through the grace of God. That's the only way. That's the only way. Let's, let's stand together. I'm going to ask my wife to come. I want us to stand together. I want to I read through a passage of Scripture while you're standing, and I want you to contemplate this. And I want you to think about this. Are we operating through the grace of God? 
Are we really receiving God's grace? You know, Amazon can show up at your door. Now, nowadays, it's amazing the stunts they pull, leaving packages. Used to, you have to sign for the packages. But just think about, yeah, they, they drop at the most obscure places. We find them on all sides of our house, up, upstairs deck, low on the front, on the side of the house. We ordered a, a video game console for one of our kids for, uh, for Christmas. They said it was delivered. We looked for three days. They had hidden it under the steps in our house. <laughs> but you know what? The delivery man's knocking at your door. Just pretend it's the old days when you actually had to open the door and sign for the package. Are we receiving God's grace? Or will you shut the door and send the delivery man away? Think, think about that. Read, let's read through this, con, this, this text. I tell you what. Well, I'm going to read through it and then I'm going to ask you to, to come to the altar. Altar call for everybody today. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? And think of that. That's, Philippi is a church at war. They're a, work, a church in division. Where, where do wars and conflicts come from among you? Do they not come from your desires? Your own desires. Your desires for pleasure that war in your members. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You've got the wrong motives. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be the friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Dr. Don Crabtree read this during our prayer time this, this last week. And he led us through a series of prayers. And when he did that, the Holy Spirit said, you, you need to go home and do this at church. There are things that hinder us from receiving. Wrong motives will re hinder us from receiving this grace of God. But ultimately, pride. Pride is where our motives, wrong motives, are coming from. It's pride. And we read here in this passage, God resists the proud. When God finds us in pride, he passes us by. There's a beautiful passage, I think it's in Ezekiel, where God says, I, I, I passed by you. 
and your time was a time of love. And I come and I spread my skirt over you and clothed you. Put my jewels upon your head and upon your fingers. And I anointed your head with oil. When God finds you, how does he find you? Is it proud? Is it arrogant? Or is it a heart that's captivated in love? It's humble. Our motives will mess us up. Ultimately, it's our pride. It manifests itself in a couple of ways. Number one, lack of submission. Number two, a lack of humility. So here's what I want to do. As many as you as would come, would you come? We're going to pray through these things. We're going to pray that God would change the impure motives of our heart. That if there are things that are unsubmissive in our heart, that God would change that. If there's pride in us, that he would take that. If there are ways that we aren't humble, that God would change that in us. Amen? We're going to pray through this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to envision the Lord on his throne. And he's beckoned for you to come in. And he's got a great gift in his lap. And he wants to extend that to you. Here's what I want you to do. Just lift your hands like you're ready to receive. Let's deal with this thing of our motives. Let's just surrender him. In your own way, just say, Lord, I surrender my motives. I yield to you, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would change some of these desires that are in my heart. They're not right. They're inordinate. Greedy. Self-centered, Lord. Take these things. Take them from me, Lord. Just pray that. If you would, just lift your voice and pray. Purify my heart. Search me, O Lord. All of my anxieties, there be any impure way in me, reprove me. Help me to walk in the way of life. Help me to walk in the way of righteousness, Lord God. Father, help me to deal with the pride that's in my heart. Father, in Jesus' name, help me to prefer others. Help me to live as you lived. Let the motto of my life be that I did not come to be served, but I've come to serve. Father, may we follow your example. May we follow your lead, O oh God. Father, if there's anything in us that is lacking in humility, Lord God, we all have pride, we've all got flesh we've got to deal with, and it rises up every single day, Lord God. Lord, help us to live a crucified life, to continue to put our flesh under, Lord God, and allow the Spirit to live in us, that we might live from that place of grace, that we might receive all that you have for us, O oh God. Lord, if there are things that are unsubmitted in our lives, sometimes we don't think we're unsubmitted. We, well, I go to church, and I do this, and I do that, but there's... 
there are things in our lives that aren't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Sometimes that manifests in the way that we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to submit one to another. We're to submit to spiritual leaders. Sometimes there's rebellion in our heart towards our brother and our sister. There's brother, there, there's, there, there's un, unsubmittedness in our hearts towards the leadership that God's put into our lives. And ultimately, that's a picture of an unsubmitted heart towards God. And so, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. Amen? King Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, be the Lord of my life. Father, I pray that you would help us to receive this grace and to live a life that we move and have our existence in you, Lord God, that we live our life through your spirit, that we live in the newness of life, that we can experience that, God, that our lives are not locked down, Lord God, by our unwillingness to submit, our unwillingness to yield, our unwillingness to humble ourselves to your hand in our life. Father, teach us to walk in your ways. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to ask my wife, would you sing a song? And I want you just to continue to continue to pray, continue to worship. Humble yourself. Yield. Maybe there's some things that you've been resisting, and you know this. There's areas where you've resisted God. He's led you, and you've resisted. Just lay that down. Surrender to him today.